That was Captain Latin by DJ Cotman, a remix from Animal Crossing New Leaf. And now, a discussion with Terry, aka Chick Monster, about the most chill and sane games on Apple Arcade, and also some of our frustrations with Apple as a whole. I'm really hoping to not get banned from Apple Podcasts after this. Hello, welcome to Cozy Playroom, your show for all chill and zen video games. Oh, and also games of all kinds. Um, we're also probably covering um, tabletop games sometime. Um, stay tuned for that. Um, and today with me is Terry. Terry, um, can you tell us more about uh, you or what you've been playing lately? Yeah, totally. Uh, I'm Terry Ross. I'm the creator of the Cute Games Club YouTube channel, and I'm excited to be on the show. I have really, I was asked to come on because uh, I do know a little bit about uh, cozy games. I think the game that um, I played recently was Assemble with Care by Us Two Games. Uh, I've been playing it a lot because I'm planning on making a video on it. <laughs> but I think it was originally part of the Apple Arcade, and there's a lot of Apple Arcade games that you played, right, T? Yeah. Um, we're going to talk um, briefly about a lot of those games. Um, but first of all, um, Assemble with Care. I actually finished the game. There's an extra chapter that they released as DLC. I have three DLC, I think. Um, that one I haven't finished. But, mm -hmm. like the main story I have. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a really good one. The the DLC chapter. It's kind of just like a little quick continuation of the main story, which is uh, really really cool. I won't spoil it for you since you haven't played it yet, but I I liked it, and it's also a like a much harder puzzle, and yeah. I really wish that they had done more more challenging puzzles uh, in the main game. I kind of felt like a lot of them were easy, but I guess if it's supposed to be a cozy game. It doesn't. It probably shouldn't be too challenging. But I was kind of. I'm. I think the DLC was perfect then because it kind of gives you more, but it it challenges people for the people who wanted uh, something a little bit more difficult. Yeah, I actually played. I think like halfway through, and there was a part where I got kind of frustrated and I quit. <laughs> That's the first time I had rage quit in the game. I think. Um, but yeah, it's uh, slightly more complicated. Um, than the usual puzzles. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Uh, something I find like super ironic is that the game launched on Apple Arcade, and it's basically right to repair the game. And um, mm -hmm. absolutely. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I actually. Do you know the the drama stuff with like the Apple? Um, like Apple I. The Apple II movement. Yeah, I I don't actually know anything about that. Like I've I've been hearing people like talking about, it, but I actually have no idea what's going on. Like, what is that about? Oh yeah, um, that inside Apple, um, there's also some. Well, like you usually hear that stuff from Amazon or Facebook and that, but inside Apple, there's also a bit of a toxic culture sometimes, mm -hmm. and. That's what they are trying to tell people, like um, both in terms of like how they um, treat people inside the company and um, the practices they do. Um, 
and there's also a bit of hypocrisy there. Like um, they say they are super into privacy and stuff, but then they um, kind of uh, push their employees to share personal iCloud stuff and things like that. It's mm -hmm. super weird. Um, but yeah, um, that's basically the gist of it. And um, there's also like, yeah, um, Apple is a mixed bag, I think. Like um, they have um, a lot of um, weird stories, like um, for example, like with Steve Jobs, even like. Mm, oh yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Definitely Steve Jobs. I've heard a lot of those. Yeah. Now there's now there's not like a huge rock star uh, personality in Apple doing that sort of things. But, right. Uh, there's still a bit of that culture. Yeah, that makes sense. It's the uh, like the legacy, I guess, of like what got left behind. Uh, but to your point, um, yeah, I do think it's really interesting that the game was released on Apple Arcade, uh, like you said, and the game is very pro right to repair. Um, just do you really want to quickly for like the for the listeners, I guess, who haven't heard about right to repair and what that is. Uh, it's really important. I think you should probably tell them a little bit more about that because it's it's super interesting. Yeah, uh, it's basically a movement that suggests that companies should um, allow or um, not get in the way of users repairing their own devices. And with Apple, you get a lot of things like arbitrary locks um, for repair for repair companies or for people who want to repair themselves. For example, um, if you repair the camera model, like you no longer have access to, um, I think the face ID features uh, or something like that. Like you have to repair it officially through Apple, which is of course more expensive. Mm -hmm. um, and also um, like, when they uh, lock system components so that you cannot take them out or replace them, like, of course, some things are going to be, um, you know, soldered into the chip. That's just how computers work. But when you solder everything to the main board, it makes it uh, basically a nightmare for anyone who isn't at the company to do repairs. Um, and also these devices, like, a couple of years down the line, they lose support from the company. So if you bring, I don't know, like an iPhone 5, they'll say, oh, no, we no longer repair those. And you cannot repair them yourself either. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Apple, I think, is definitely um, one of the most, uh, I guess, egregious examples of companies doing this. Um, but a lot of companies are doing this, and they're doing it so much now that it's becoming like a, a real issue. I know in the United States over here, people are trying to, there's like legislation going around, a lot of fighting for like um, laws about this. I think uh, in Massachusetts, where I'm currently situated, we just passed a law for car right to repair. Um, and the reason that they can kind of do get away with this legally is there is a uh, kind of a loophole where you can fix machines that was never really legislated. That's always been legal for people. If you buy an object, it's yours. You have the right to fix it however you want. But software uh, is kind of like this digital thing. And that still remains the property of the creator. So you can't 
it's kind of illegal to go in. I don't know the specifics of it, but it's illegal to kind of hack software. Um, that that was always kind of illegal based on that. And so now the loophole is if you have any piece of machinery that has software in it, companies are trying to extend it uh, so that you, you can't repair any part of the machine, not the hardware part, not the software part. And a lot of times, like you were saying, T, they'll go out of their way to, if you touch the hardware part, they will do something within the software to prevent you from using it. And the iPhone is a perfect example of that uh, because they want you to, instead of repairing it and continuing to use it, they want you to throw it away uh, within a couple of years and buy the next model, which is really bad for, uh, you know, the environment, among other things. Um, and it's also just like creepy and evil. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's also one thing Apple pretends to care about, the environment, and yet they pull off stuff like that. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah, you can um, stop uh, packing chargers into the phones, but if you do that stuff, um, you like the the good you've made um, is basically completely nullified by the evil. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> so, yeah, it's I'm, this is going all the way back to assemble with care. It's just, um, I mean, it's it's not really political. Uh, in that, like, it's not expect explicitly saying like right to repair is like important, but it is, it is about repairing, and that in itself, I think, in this day and age, is a statement. Um, and they also just make it really fun and easy uh, to kind of take away. I think that's another subtle thing that companies do. Also, too, is they just make it like obscure. You know, they don't publish the manuals online anymore. They don't, they take away kind of that access. So I think there's more and more generations of people who are frightened of repairing their own things. Like they think that it's too hard. It's something that you can't do. And something that I was noticing when I was playing the game is that it's not just easy because the the developers wanted it to be like cozy. I think it's easy because they wanted us to realize that it it's something simple. Repairing things in real life is something simple that anyone can really do. Yeah, I've actually um, done a couple of um, upgrades to my laptop. And yeah, with Apple, that would have been a nightmare. <laughs> an Apple laptop. Um, so yeah, um, something else about the game I like is that um, it's not only about uh, repairing objects, but there's kind of like an underlying metaphor of repairing re relationships. Yes, and yeah. I won't get into too much detail on that, but um, when you play it well, you'll see it by yourself. Yeah, that was another reason I was so bummed. Like I was, I don't, were you surprised when you got to the end of the game, by the way? I thought it was like a long game. I thought it was gonna be like, oh, she's going into this town and then like, then when she's done with the town, she's gonna go to like another town. Um, like Monument Valley, which I think you played, right? It, I, it I had like it a- one. And also a bit of the second one. Like, I have it, but I have only finished the first one. Yeah, I haven't played Monument Valley 2. But Monument Valley 1, it had, like, you were in one world, and then you would play, like, seven levels in that world, and then you go to the next world. And then, I mean, a lot of games do this, but I, I thought the trend was with us two uh, games, like, that was what they were going to do. So when we got to Assemble with Care, and I reached the end of the first town, I was like, oh, that's it? There's not more? Because... The stories you get are amazing, but there's there's really not that much 
there was just like two of them. I was so that's that was the thing. I guess I'm just saying I really liked the game. I wish there was more of it. Yeah, um, it's really cute, and also um, you. Uh, it's surprising when you get to um, kind of um, discover um, a bit of how um, the trinkets we use every day work. Like it's not, they are not one-to-one -one replicas of real objects, but they do share some similarities, um, like in the way they are designed, these objects in the game. Um, so yeah, seeing them inside out, and um, that's uh, really, it's like oddly um, relaxing, like oddly zen. Like you would expect, um, repairing things to be super stressful, but in this game, it's actually um, quite uh, a sane experience. Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, what was your favorite um, thing that you fixed? Um, well, uh, one of, I found the uh, game console fun. Like, um, I like that. Um, and there was also, uh, oh yeah, the camera, that was really cool. Oh yeah, the camera. Yeah, I think the game console was probably my favorite too. Um, and this one was like, I didn't, this one wasn't my favorite one, but the statue, I just really liked the glue bottle, <laughs> like the noises it made. I just thought <laughs> something about that was really satisfying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, uh, the game has a very um, kind of um, pastel color palette, and mm. also the the rendering of the objects kind of um, well, it kind of applies some of that uh, pastel aesthetic to the shading, if I remember correctly. And, mm -hmm. um, yeah, so it's uh, rendered in kind of a cell shaded um, way. It, it it looks like really nice. Yeah, the art is spectacular. Spectacular art. Um, they did a lot of, they did like a lot of really cool stuff with it. It's everything looks so unique and like, well, that's another thing too, is like it has this, when you read the story portions, it's like a 2D illustration. But then when you jump into like, you know, the actual assembling, that is a 3D thing. And what I thought was really impressive is it's almost a seamless transition. Like it seems like it's the exact same it, it doesn't change art styles, which I think is a really difficult thing to do, and they did it so well. Yeah, um, I think one of the most impressive examples of that would be Spider-Verse, like um, the... Very that, very, very that, yep. Yeah, that um, film, um, it, it, it's 3D, but um, it's, it, it looks... Um, well, it looks uh, two-dimensional, but also takes advantages, advantage of um, the... Yeah, something... Uh, <laughs> what I mean is um, it translates a style uh, usually, um, you know, characteristic of 2D into mm -hmm. three dimensions. Um, that's also something this game does. Yeah, um, I'm. I think a lot more, not just games, but like movies, like you said too. I think they're starting to transition. We're going to see a lot more of that stuff um, going forward. You know, it was all about like when I think when 3D first started out, everyone's like, "Oh, how can we make this like more realistic?" But now people are. 
at the point I think in advancement of technology where they're trying to be like, oh, how can we like use this to do something cool but also stylized? Um, so I feel like I really hope more games do that kind of stuff. Yeah, another um, couple of games um, which I was really surprised that um, Apple Apple were the ones to pick up for Apple Arcade were um, Neo Cap, which is um, cyberpunk um, kind of Uber simulator, like taxi simulator. Um, there's some really, really, um, so some of the most charming characters I've seen in a game. Like that's how good the writing is and the characters are. Um, but it has some underlying themes um, about um, the ways in which uh, tech companies um, tend to go too far uh, with the way they design their hardware and software. And mm. Yeah, uh, I, I also find it weird because it um, it has a lot of um, you know uh, anti Apple rhetoric and also <laughs> anti Uber. Um, well, the Uber part, I'm not surprised. Uh, they because they are not partners or anything. But it's in a car. Um, yeah, it's a car. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> um, the also Bradwell conspiracy. It basically criticizes uh, the entirety of Apple's culture, like um, mostly their um, 80s culture. Um, but you can also see a lot of it uh, even to this day, like the secretism inside Apple and also the way they kind of um, expect to know everything about their employees and creepy stuff like that. Um, yeah, that's also in the Bradwell conspiracy and also that um, whole, um, well, the way Apple glorifies themselves as um, the kings of computing and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. You see a lot of that in the Bradwell conspiracy as well. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, those are some of the ones that kind of stuck out to me for being very anti-Apple in their messages and yet being in Apple Arcade. <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel like whoever's curating the Apple Arcade is uh, maybe they're kind of a disgruntled employee. We don't know. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they are like super passionate about um, Apple's culture as a whole. But something I've noticed is the curation lately, it has uh, taken a huge um, backstep, I think, um, because now you are seeing... Um, stuff like just uh, expanded or improved versions of mobile games, like the traditional mobile games. Mm -hmm. And before you would get like some really engaging experiences and now they're kind of just um, putting quote unquote plus versions of Angry Birds or uh, no, like there's literally a remake of Angry Birds for some reason. <laughs> like why um so yeah i think um before they would um kind of get super engaging um uh games and um stories and now they are uh, focusing on i don't know like 
extremely um, generic casual games. They, they just one they just bring them over and like right now there's two, not just one, but two games like Clash Royale. One with Lego Star Wars and another one with Transformers. Like, just why? Like, that's a huge step um, back from what we had before. Yeah, I'm starting to wonder if maybe the initial rollout, because I remember a lot of people were very excited about some of the first games that came out on the Apple Arcade. I'm wondering if that was a move for Prestige, um, just to mm-hmm. kind of get people talking about it. And then once, you know, they got the, the first wave, I should say, the the next step was maybe to just do padding. Um, And I don't really know where Apple Arcade plans to go from here. I think it sucks because they really had, um, they were really cornering the market on like game subscriptions for a while. So I feel like maybe they're dropping the ball a little. I don't really know what the move here is. Yeah, especially when you compare them to like Game Pass, it's supposed to Game Pass right now. Um, even like one of the games that was supposed to come out on Apple Arcade, which was, which was The Artful Escape, it's now on Game Pass, not Apple Arcade. Um, and it was one of the games that was rebuilt on the, um, well, Apple Arcade reveal trailer. Um, uh-huh. But it's nowhere to be seen. It's only on Game Pass. Um, so I don't know if they kind of um, backtracked from a deal or something. There's definitely something fishy there. Yeah, that's. Uh, I'm very curious about what's been going down behind the scenes. It's def- it seems like something is. Mm-hmm. And also, I think the reason why they started pushing um, like these very traditionally mobile games is because of Google Play Pass. Um, and like Google Play Pass, when it started, like um, it had a couple of premium games, but it was mostly um, just um, versions of other mobile games, but now without um, DLC, um, like w- without microtransactions. And that's oh, it. Oh, like, I see. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so that's what Google Play Pass did, and then Apple Arcade said, "Okay, let's let's also do that. Let's have just um, the same games, but without ads and microtransactions." And um, you know, those games they really aren't as engaging as the experiences they were putting on the services on the service before. I think. Mm, right, 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 right. Interesting. And yeah, I, I have to agree with you there. I think I think that's probably kind of what's been going on. I'm not really is the thing is I don't really do game passes. Um I always just prefer to pick out my own games, but uh so I don't exactly know what's been going. I really just hear like what people tell me. So <laughs> Yeah, and actually play pass. Um well when it started it was kind of a joke. But now um, Play Pass has a lot of game. No, Play Pass has a lot of premium games now. So like you, um, it's kind of um, uh, outpacing Apple Arcade. Like uh, fascinating. Kind of like the rabbit and the turtle. Uh, I don't. Oh that. yeah, yeah. Slow and steady wins the race, I guess. Yeah. Um, so now you have like. Uh, Monument Valley, and you got uh, like 
a whole bunch of games. Well, I have a list here of some of the of some of the better games on Play Pass. Um, like how, yeah, they added the Stardew Valley. Uh, Apple Arcade doesn't have that. Uh, Ooh, Stardew uh, Valley is a big get. Yeah. And also, oh. uh, the thing about uh, Google Play Pass is that you can use it pretty much anywhere while um, Apple Arcade is only Apple devices. The reason right. why is because um, em Android emulation, um, well, if you have a PC, uh, you can uh, very easily run Android on it. If it's like um, from the last, uh, what, 10 years? No, like let's say seven years. If you got a PC from the last seven years, you can pretty much run uh, Android on it. And right. You can, um, download all of Play Pass games. So I think that also limits a lot the scope of Apple Arcade, that it's just Apple service, Apple um, products, and you cannot um, play those games on a Windows PC or using um, an emulator or yeah, um, or, or your, your phone, your Android TV. Um, I think um, in terms of uh, how widely accessible the service is, um, that's another point for PlayPass. Um, yeah, I mean, that goes just back to what we were talking about earlier about Apple wanting to be, or lots of companies really wanting to be in control of their own products and not really uh, giving so much freedom to to players and users and stuff. And that has a lot of benefits for them monetarily in some cases, but there are times like these, I think, when it really bites them in the ass. Um, and I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah. So, oh yeah, it also has dead cells. And in Apple, in Apple, that's a premium game, like, um, I don't know, uh, 15, 20 bucks, I think. Mm. Um, yeah, with Play Pass, you just get dead cells and you get also both Eboland games um those are also pretty good there's tesla grad there's the bridge constructor portal um yeah there's like um uh, there's a lot of cool premium quote-unquote premium games um, yeah yeah i love that yeah uh and, and apple arcade like i remember uh when it started like every weekend you'd get two games and they were usually high quality. At least one of them was high quality. Um, and I really loved that. And then they just stopped. And now you get um, like um, really trashy games every two weeks. And maybe if you're lucky, every quarter of the year, you get a big drop of good games. Um, but that's mm. it. Like, um, I remember the last time where they added like cool games, they added World of Demons, which is that new Platinum Games title. Mm -hmm. um, and they also added, I don't remember exactly which titles, but yeah, they've definitely slowed down the pace of uh, titles um, you would actually want to play. And Game Pass hasn't. Like Game Pass just keeps getting, uh, uh, the absolute bangers um every month um so yeah i think it was like at the forefront at first of uh, gaming subscriptions like apple arcade was amazing like uh when it started uh, but then it kind of um uh, they just um started giving whatever um like 
they just pushed whatever game um, they could into the service. They didn't really curate them or anything. Uh, now it's that's really frustrating because I really liked how it was initially. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I don't really know what's happened there. It's a bummer. But let's just, let's talk about the games that are actually there and that are actually good. Um, there's also one called Alba. So Alba, a wildlife adventure, I think it's called. Um, mm -hmm. It's basically a game where you are in a tiny open world island, um, trying to photograph animals and like help people and stuff. Um, it's a lot like a short hike. I don't know if it was an inspiration for that game because it that one is also um, like set in a tiny island um, where it's kind of a like a super small scale sandbox. Um, so yeah, that's also another game I really like, and it's got well like an ecologist um, point of view. Um, How do you spell this? I'm gonna look up like photos of this. A L B A. Game. I think it's like a Spanish island. Yeah, it's a Spanish island. Um, yeah, oh, just, I've seen this. Okay, cool. It's very short. It's like uh, five hours, but um, it's uh, a lot of fun while it lasts. Um, yeah, well, I, I really like a concise game. Um, <laughs> yeah. Pardon me. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I, I'm loving this. Yeah, I also don't like games that are set up like uh, the new Assassin's Creed games where it's like a map full of uh, missions that are just um, um, filler content and that uh, like the modern open world game design. Uh, uh, yeah, um, so in, in that sense, I like those little open worlds um and how they are like much more tightly packed like even if they have less content um that content is usually the content that is there is actually engaging more powerful yeah more impactful love yeah. that it's only 20 dollars. it's a good price yeah it's really cool um there's also one called The Pathless. That one I really encourage people to try. Um, it's from the creators of Journey, I think, and also Sky Children of Light. But it's like a more um, personal experience um, because with the Sky, they kind of have a social aspect to it. And it's also more polished than Sky, I think. Um, the sky is a little rough around the edges, I think. Like, it's a good game, but, it, but yeah. Um, the Padless is just uh, an, an excellent open world experience. Um, you get, you are basically, well, it's not one open world. There are a couple of open worlds you traverse through um, in the game, but in each open world, basically your mission is to um solve puzzles and defeat bosses um but um it's not a violent game so like the bosses they are uh kind of uh hypnotized i would say um but there's a lot of action like there are some exciting set pieces but um it's also a really cal calm game 
when you are kind of traversing through the land, um, looking for puzzles to solve and stuff like that. Um, I'm, it's, it's definitely one of the best titles on Apple Arcade when they were actually um, throwing bangers into the service. That <laughs> one is definitely one of them, um, the Pavlis. Yeah, I mean, well, these guys made Abzu. It doesn't surprise me at all that they they know what the fuck they're doing. That's so dope. Yeah, it's super cool. Um, there's also, oh, Sayonara Wild Hearts. Yeah, yeah I, I was going to mention that one. That one I have played, and it that was like one of the very first ones that came out on Apple Arcade, right? Yeah, I think it was a launch title. Uh, I'm not sure if it was launch, or it was at least in the launch window, like a couple of weeks after, maybe. Um, I think it, it was launch day, or a couple of weeks after launch day, but it was really, really close. Um, and the game is absolutely stunning. Uh, like, it's a relentless audiovisual experience. Um, you get, like, remixes of classic songs, which are total bangers, like the soundtrack. Um, yeah, it's it, it will blow you away. Um, and in terms of the story, uh, it's it's entirely like, um, how would I say it? Like um, dialogue free. I think there are like a couple of dialogues at most. Um, but yeah, the game is um, basically all about the set pieces, which are absolutely stunning. Um, and they are um, synchronized to the rhythm of the music. I wouldn't call it a rhythm game because um, it's not about hitting notes on time. Um, it's more about avoiding obstacles and stuff. Um, but yeah, it's a blast. Yeah, I definitely saw aspects of the Endless Runner, aspects of the rhythm game, but also kind of aspects of just like a, just a very straightforward like storytelling type of game. Um, it's It's got a little bit of all three. It, I, I do remember how dope that game was. <laughs> Yeah, it's got this um, awesome, like, low-poly um, neon aesthetic that just blasts into your eyeballs. Uh, it, yeah. It, it, it's definitely a wild ride. It works really well for, I also think, like, the small screen. Um, like, everything's very sharp and very impactful. I think they, they were smart about that. I'm pretty sure they knew that they were going to launch on the Apple Arcade, so they... they who were the developers of that? They, they, they knew what they were doing. <laughs> Yeah, I actually played it on a big screen, and it also looks absolutely gorgeous there. Oh, good, like, good, good. Uh-huh. And yeah, so if you want an absolute blast of a game that you can go through in like um, maybe an hour or two, like um, it's only a couple of episodes long, um, but um, yeah, it's just blasts through your eyeballs. Like, um, it's insanely um, fast and it's and, and it has some um, absolutely jaw-dropping moments. So um, it, it, it is on the short side, but um, the, those couple of hours it lasts, they are relentless. So yeah, there's no dull moment. Like, it's just... Um, super super fast and 
yeah, you're going to enjoy it if you want an experience like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And also, um, one of the hidden gems is one called Winding Worlds. So it's super cute. Um, it's about this um, creature um, who is kind of uh, solving uh, problems for people in other universes. And yeah, you meet some really charming characters and see some really cute scenes. Um, it's also very touch friendly. So it's designed for touch, touch inputs. Uh, I haven't played it with a controller. I'm sure it's also fine, but um, yeah, uh, it's very well optimized for that. Um, and yeah, it's a really cute game. Um, the worlds you traverse, um, they're kind of like uh, Mario Galaxy planets where um, you kind of go, like you can see the whole planet on screen and just walk through it. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, it's got some uh, cute puzzles and stuff. So I haven't uh, heard uh, a lot of people talking about that game, but uh, it's it's definitely one of the hidden gems of Apple Arcade, I would say. Oh, yeah, this thing looks great. <laughs> yeah, it's super cute. Oh, this is a co-op game. Co-op? Co-op no. know what they're doing. No, I love no, that. They, oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought you was a... You were saying that the game was cooperative. And oh, no, yeah. The, the de <laughs> Is it developers, publishers? Uh, I think these I think are developers because they also made Nog, and that was yeah. also a really... Yeah, it got, it's got a lot of Nog vibes to it. So um, the, the puzzles and the worlds, um, if you like the ones in Nog, you're probably going to like the ones in Winding Worlds. Um, they're also really creative tiny worlds with um puzzles um that uh yeah it's very reminiscent of Nog in terms of um gameplay and um also the visuals uh, so if you liked that game or um if you are just curious about it uh go try it um also uh one title that um really in terms of visuals it's probably the most striking lego game yet builder's journey um it's a lot like um monument valley but with legos and there's also a story about like a child and and their parent um told through legos like no dialogue or anything and it's really cute and the lightning um the way um the environments are lit it's absolutely gorgeous like you see everything uh, reflecting off of the um uh, lego bricks um and also uh, that game has if you're playing on pc of course it has ray tracing support so it looks even more gorgeous there but I don't think um, it really uh, needs it because uh, because like when I played it, it already looked gorgeous enough that I didn't think oh ray tracing will make this even better. But it has that now. It has <laughs> ray tracing turned on on PC. Um, 
Yeah, uh, the environments, uh, well, they are all Lego, but um, the puzzles are really, really creative. Um, you will um, move Lego pieces around, um, but also move a character around. And yeah, it's a very ingenious game. And it also has like a tiny story that, um, yeah, it, it's simple, but it is cute nonetheless. Um, and yeah, I think it's one of the best LEGO games against uh, the God-tier LEGO Star Wars The Complete Saga. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, it seems like it's doing something very different from what you traditionally think about, uh, you know, like the LEGO games where it has like their own levels and worlds. This is very much like... Uh, I mean, this I feel has been a trend in games lately. There's like the um, kind of like the vignette style level where it's like you can see everything on screen at once. Um, you know, I think Monument Valley was definitely a, a force in um, in making more games like that. The the explosion of popularity for Monument Valley. There was also um, what was it? Tomb Raider, Lara Croft Go. That was also doing something very similar. It was probably the just the advent of like small screen games where it's like, let's pack as much information as we can into one screen. Um, wasn't there a Nintendo game? Oh, uh, Toad's Journey also did yes. stuff like this. Yes, the, that game also has some really cute dioramas. Um, I think um, some of them span um, longer than just one screen, like levels that are like a train and stuff like that. But usually they, yeah, you can see the whole level on, um, a single screen, um, well, like without panning or anything, like uh, you can just rotate around, um, rotate the world around and um, see everything there is to see. Um, and yeah. Um, yes, yeah. Yeah, diorama style levels, I really like them. They are pretty cute. Um, Oh yeah, uh, another game that has that style of level is uh, one called. Um, it's also an Apple Arcade. It's called. Oh, let me. Bleak Sword, but we won't talk about that game here because um, it is the opposite of chill and zen. Um, it's a very stressful game. Um, but going back to chill games, there's one. <laughs> This one um, kind of, well, it doesn't have uh, diorama style levels, but it has interconnected rooms, uh, kind of like old Zelda games. It's called The Last Campfire. I don't know if you've heard about this or play it. It's actually by Hello Games. It sounds developers. really familiar. Um... The developers behind No Man's Sky. Uh, but it's totally different from No Man's Sky. Like it's um, really um, short and um, more well. Like no, no Man's Sky, you get this massive uh, universe to explore, and in this game, there's like uh, a couple of uh, forests and villages. And but it's oh yes, yeah, I've seen this a much one. Smaller yeah. Scale. Uh, but yeah, it's um, also a really, really um, mind-bending uh, puzzle game. Uh, well, some of the puzzles are like, they will really get you thinking. Um, 
And also there is um, very cute writing to the game. Uh, it's all uh, narrated. Um, well, uh, I'm not sure who's the voice uh, behind uh, the game, but um, it's narrated like in a very calm way. Um, but uh, it has a bit of a, I don't know, melancholic tone, but it's also uh, cheerful sometimes. Uh, and yeah, it's um, the, all of the, I, I think it's on Switch, PC and Apple devices, um, but it's really, really cute. Like if you want a Zelda game that is just puzzles, but those puzzles, they really, really test you, um, then you are going to enjoy the last campfire. And nice. also, yeah, it's got some really cute animations here and there and some charming characters. Uh, I really, really uh, recommend you playing through The Last Campfire if you haven't. Um, oh, yeah, one that I've played lately, it's called Nuts. Like, um, yeah, it's a game about squirrels. Um, so <laughs> basically, there's uh, there's this um, company that contracted you to um, take photos of squirrels to kind of do uh, to to test the waters for um, for a well I, I don't wanna get too spoilery but uh, basically um, the gameplay consists of um, looking for squirrels and then um, following them on their trial uh, with cameras so but but like you cannot um, move the cameras around um, when the squirrels move. So the, the squirrels move around the stage at the stages at night, but you place the cameras at day. So um, like based on oh I see that 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 squirrel um, got into that little corner. So um, in, into that corner. So. I gotta so next morning I will place my camera here so I can keep tracking the squirrels. So um, basically, oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, you, you are basically tracking their um, behaviors and like seeing oh where um, where did it go? Like um, there there will be points where um, a squirrel goes out of focus, like. Um, but um, based on the last position you knew, you place a camera to see um, where the uh, route, uh, like, yeah, you basically have to track down squirrels. Um, but it's uh, really calm to place cameras and also watch them uh, in the night. And um, the weird thing about it is that it kind of has uh, kind of a horror uh, song in the background, like mm. very mystery, thrillery. Um, so that part isn't that chill, but the gameplay itself definitely is. And uh, something, I, the thing I will say about the game that is negative is that it feels slightly rushed sometimes and a bit uh, unpolished in others. Like I would see scenes where there were things uh, floating and um, 
like in the environment and things like that. Um, yeah, I I would say this has been happening a lot lately with like especially a lot of modern games with like the pastel colors and stuff. Like sometimes like color palettes like these are helpful, but a lot of times it's like the artist just didn't want to put textures on things and it just hurts your eyes in the end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um yeah, not I would say um it's not one of um, the most beautiful games I've played on the service, but uh, the gameplay loop of tracking squirrels, like it's an activity that um, you wouldn't think as appealing, but once you're playing through it, like you get engaged in following these squirrels. And I think that's fun. And there's also uh, a story to it. Like you communicate through a scientist with a scientist through a, phone so like uh, well kind of like firewatchy i would say um, yeah i'm seeing a lot of the reviews are comparing it to firewatch i kind of see that but i think that they were trying to do something more with the photography mechanic which i appreciate yeah yeah that part i really like about it um you know what else it kind of has it has a little bit of a five nights at freddy's vibe weirdly yeah um it has a bit of um creepiness to it but um, I think um, I actually thought like when I saw uh, a stove floating around and, and things like that, I, I thought, oh, this is going to get like creepy later on. But mm -hmm. uh, it kind of never reached that point. It, it, it feel like they backtracked from uh, eeriness. Like you can see traces of it like... Um, the background music is eerie like uh you like there's stuff floating in the environment and i thought I, I at first uh was wondering is that a bug or is that supposed to be floating like to show some eeriness and there's also a scene where you find um there's a lot of uh well let's say there's something uh something in a nest that adds to that creepiness but um, in the end, it kind of doesn't pay off. Like, um, it feels like they backtracked from the creepiness, uh, like at the end mm. of the game. Where, um, so yeah, I think um, that kind so of. So, in many ways, it is like Firewatch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I remember I, being I think... so disappointed in the ending of Firewatch. I was like, that was it. But yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, like the gameplay loop is uh, interesting, but in terms of a story, like um, at first it's interesting and then it's, um, I don't know, like uh, that ending didn't quite leave me 100% um, uh, like uh, satisfied. Like um, I think it's serviceable as an ending, but uh, it didn't kind of like tangle everything together into something um more um mm. so yeah i i i do think it was rushed like i don't know the development of the game but uh something tells me it was like um but it's still a fun experience like, yeah yeah no i'm i'm intrigued i think of all of these games the one that i'm most interested in is nuts because I, I think the gameplay looks super unique. Yeah, it is. And it, it actually kind of uh, reminds me of how 
um, Death Stranding makes a mechanic you wouldn't think is uh, engaging, which is um, kind of uh, roaming around the world with big boxes, uh, kind of delivering packages. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it, it has some of that where um, a mechanic you would think is dull or unengaging actually becomes uh, kind of uh, interesting. Um, like, uh, I think that's something um, mostly you mostly see in indie games where they make a very dull concept into something um, very interesting. Um, yeah. With big games, I think um, Death Stranding is one of the only times I've seen uh, a dev, a developer try it. Um, because most games go for the usual like open world action RPG, um, like Ubisoft, uh, it's just cookie cutter. And I appreciate Death Stranding for trying something different. Like, did it accomplish it? Eh, but um, at least you can like appreciate that it tried something different. And you can say, you can also say that about these kinds of indie games, um, like in this case, um, Nuts. Uh, yeah, um, I, I actually have done photography myself, so uh, that was cool. Um, yeah, um, if you have um, the service or are planning to get Apple Arcade, yeah, you should play the game. I think it's also on Switch and probably PC. I don't know. Nice. All right. Is that all the games to cover? Um, I think the big ones, yeah. But nice. uh, I also wanted to mention there's one that uh, I I also liked um, that it flew uh, flew under the radar. It's called Lifelike on Apple Arcade, and uh, it's a game where you are like. Uh, um, tiny cell or like well it, it's very abstract but like you are basically um con well not controlling but um kind of engaging with masses of um quote-unquote living beings um and you kind of like fish like you you see how uh, fish all go together and it looks beautiful Mm -hmm. You get a lot of that from this game, from live like like you are basically um, basically collecting these fish around, and uh, it's very zen. Like you like when you move around, this fish makes some really interesting patterns, and yeah, it's re it it really is a game just about um, well well there is an objective like you are. Um, trying to get from point A to point B um, by collecting these little fish. But um, I think the most interesting part in this case is um, like having fun with the game engine and the fluid physics and the um, kind of block physics. Um, yeah, when it's in motion and when you are controlling all of those uh, thousands and thousands of fish, like quote-unquote fish because uh, they are not fish really, but controlling them is really sand. And 
Uh, I also think that's one cool experience in Apple Arcade. Hmm. Yeah, I like it. It's kind of a, I mean, it reminds me a lot of Spore, but <laughs> I feel like any game like this would remind me of Spore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially like the first uh, part of Spore, right? Like when you are just, like when you are a unicellular creature. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Yeah, these are some great recommendations. And a lot of these, even if you don't have the Apple Arcade or like Game Pass, I've been looking at all of these on Steam. I've literally just been going down and adding everything to my wish list as you've been talking. Um, yeah, these are really, really awesome. Yeah, so if you want to um, try, like for the listeners, if you want to, if you have a device that's compatible with Apple Arcade, um, and you want to try any or all of these games, um, you should definitely check it out. And um, I think it's problematic how uh, restrictive Apple Arcade is, where you can only play it on Apple devices, despite these games being compatible with so much more devices, like um, PCs and theoretically Android phones. Uh, like. It's a bit frustrating to see that, uh, well, that this subscription is locked behind um, Apple um, when so many people don't have access to one of those devices. But if you do, uh, I do encourage you to check these games out. Uh, there's a lot more games I would uh, recommend, but uh, the reason why I don't do it uh, right here, right now, is because some of those games they aren't really zen or chill like um they are either like action-packed or the story is super um like i don't know dark or yeah um so for games that are uh, all chill and zen those are my biggest recommendations on apple arcade like there's plenty of those games in the service um, if you want to play some games like that, uh, you'll definitely be well served with Apple Arcade. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Nice. So, um, is there any other game or any anything else you want to point out? Honestly, no. I think Assemble with Care has been like the biggest thing that I have played recently. I truly, um, I truly haven't been playing as many games as I would like. Um, this is probably not, well, here's what I'll say. This one's not Apple Arcade related, but I have recently been looking into trying to play this game called um, The Dog for, um, I think it was the PlayStation 2. And it was literally, do you remember this at all? There was like, back in like the 90s, there was this, it was like a brand. It was literally a brand called the Dog Artist yes. Collection. And it was photos of dogs and their noses were big. And that was the whole thing. And it was just everywhere. Yeah. You would see them everywhere. <laughs> they had an album of those. Yeah, yeah. They were so adorable. And I was like looking at them the other day. And then I found out that they had made a video game about it. And I was like, oh, what? And it turns out that the game was like, it, it wasn't some random garbage. Uh, you know, like how they do brand tie-ins. They'll just make like, like a random game. game collections. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't like a mini game collection or anything like that. It was like a full on like 
kind of cozy RPG. So you would go, it was, so it plays the story. You play as a dog and you have to save your little sister because she gets sick. So you go to this island um, and you like do all these little quests and stuff with these other dogs and you like get the medicine for your sister. And it's like a full on game. (laughs) And I was like, whoa, this is cool. And it it kind of like adds like all this crazy. It, it honestly has nothing to do with the brand at all. The only thing that has to do with it is that it's everyone is a dog. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> and I was like, wow, this is really cool. So I'm currently trying to get uh, an emulator on my computer so I can play it um, and see what it's all about. <laughs> oh yeah, um, I do have the emulator, but. Um... Uh, only one of my computers run it because for some reason PS2 is slightly harder to emulate than games. It's tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I, I think it's not quite on the level Dolphin is, um, but it's, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, I will, I think there's also like a Wii version. I don't know if it's the same game. Oh, yeah, yeah. I saw that. Well, the, that's the reason. I wanted to get the PlayStation version because that one I know I could play with, like, a, maybe a keyboard or a controller. Because oh, yeah. the Wii, you know, the Wii stuff, they always want you to do, like, the motion stuff. So that's why I stayed away from that one. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was, like, a full-on game. So I'm very excited. Uh, I will let you know how that turns out because I, I actually think it fits perfectly into the theme. It's, it's very, it's like a non-violent, very cozy RPG. So we'll see how it is. It fits either there or in the Pet Wave podcast, the one about virtual pets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see about that. And also, I wanted to see for next episode, we could cover uh, games that are on like the huge bundles in each Dorayo has put out. Oh, yes. There I were two like of them. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I really need to. I think those bundles in. are. Um, like people call um, Xbox Game Pass the best deal in gaming, uh, but I think this kind of dwarfs Game Pass sometimes, like in some aspects. Like um, in terms of indie games, I think it dwarfs it. Like if you like, um, absolutely. If, if you have that collection, um, you have like a huge backlog of games, and I would like to cover some of those, like some of the hidden gems um, of the each.io bundles um, because um, yeah uh, it's cool that um, um, well <laughs> I, I just it, I'm just throwing the idea out there that um, maybe we should um, kind of um, put together a list of our favorites uh, of that um, bundle um, of those bundles, they, yeah, they were like two or three. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I bought two of them, and I just like bought them, and then I never looked inside any of like because they're they are like they are frighteningly huge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that that would be good. That would honestly be good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's. Um, it's as impressive as some of the biggest um, game subscriptions out there. Like that's how huge it is. Like um, it is. Yeah. It was. Uh, I mean, it was for a great cause. And yeah, we could also talk about like what those causes were. I think that would be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I think one was for, well, the first one, which wasn't as big, it, it was, there was one for COVID uh, relief. Uh, there oh, was, that's the one I didn't get. Yeah, there was another one for um, racial equality and also one for Palestine. Um, so yeah, we could talk about the games there. Some of them are like repeats uh, that are in all three collections. Others are exclusive to one or the other. But yeah, um, there's a lot of hidden gems in that collection. Yes. Yeah, I'm down. Yeah, that would be great. Um, so yeah, um, um, I don't know how to end this, but uh, we are very glad uh, to have you uh, listening to this podcast. Um, hope um, you try some of these games and uh, let us know if you have any cozy and chill game recommendations other than Animal Crossing. Like a uh, hundred people are going to say Animal Crossing. Like we, we know that game already. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I like, uh, I would like for us to be kind of like a discovery um, yeah. hub because there's definitely people who want to see more of this stuff. Like, you know, they've played Animal Crossing, they've played Stardew Valley and they want to see what else is out there. Yeah. And also maybe have, uh, this is a bit more ambitious, but maybe at some point have interviews with developers of really cozy and chill games. That would be awesome as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think we could swing that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thanks a lot, everyone, for listening. Hope you enjoyed this podcast and see you next time. See ya. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Let us know your thoughts on Twitter. And to finish off, here's Zelda's House by DJ Cartman.